is up, my friends? Welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 20th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. This episode is brought to you by The Adventure of Fatherhood, helping men discover their powerful fatherhood role and build their fatherhood skills. The role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, find joy and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend, John Brown, and we have an incredible conversation talking about discovering a father's heart, being in tune and intentional with loving as a father. We talk about the difference between presence and connection and the desire and fulfillment that comes from being connected to your children. Enjoy meeting my friend, John. John, what is up? Welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. It's good to meet you. It's good to be here, Ned. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, anytime to pause and talk fatherhood, you know, the thing that's core to our soul is so critical. I mean, it's probably the greatest thing that you and I will get to do on this planet is be fathers, like raise up that next generation. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. You step into a relationship with a wife and you're like, man, I'm a pretty selfish guy. And then you have a kid and you're like, oh my, I am selfish with my time. I'm selfish with my thoughts. It's me, me, me. And now it's all about them. And it's a game changer to be a father. Yeah, I feel like embracing marriage, embracing fatherhood, family, it's like the thing that if you truly want to become the best version of yourself, whatever term you want to do, like if any dude's listening to this, they're in the process of learning, growing, becoming. I feel like entering into your marriage and entering into fatherhood is the thing that will require you to learn what love is. And I've been reading 1 Corinthians most mornings lately because, you know, we say we love things, but love is patient, love is kind. You can only learn these things in the friction of family. So having that reminder has been critical for me. But let's jump into this. I got some questions for you. How old do you find yourself today? Oh, man. So I'm 36 years old, but man, I've got that childlike mindset still, but a body that has been beaten through years of football, years of sports throughout high school, college, and I did some bullfighting back in the day oh, really? for the rodeo team at Montana State University oh, as well. My gosh, that's sick. And so it took some hits there. But yeah, I wanted to be a young father and my oldest is 10 now and I feel it. <laughs> 26 when you had your first kid. Yes. The bullfighter. So you already answered it. I'm going to ask you a couple questions about you. So you're 36. How many kiddos do you have? So we've got four kids right now and one on the way. Actually, she had an appointment this morning and it could be any day right now. Oh my gosh, bro. That's incredible. How fun. How exciting. And your oldest is 10. Bro, you guys are serious about this. Yeah. Okay. And then are you going to be done after number five? This is, this is it. As far as biological kids, mama feels that this one is the last one for sure. Yeah. So when you say biological kids, is it not off the table that you would adopt down the road? Not off the table. No. So we've done foster care. Okay. And we had a little girl a few years back for 18 months, got her when she was six weeks old. And that dude, that changed my life. We had got her the first trimester that my wife was pregnant with our youngest, who is our only daughter right now. Okay. And so I've got three boys, Elijah, Isaiah, Noah, and then Ezraela. We finally had a little girl and then we're pregnant with a baby that we are not finding out more. So fun. And so, yeah, so we had foster care. Actually, the one thing that my wife and I hit on in some of the very first conversations that we ever had was kids. My parents did foster care. My youngest brother is 24 now. We got him through foster care and have had him ever since. So he's another brother. I got three brothers. Man, that's incredible. So it's like almost a culture. I think I've heard this a couple of times that if you grew up in a home that did foster care intentionally, that when you grow up, you're wanting to do that. Are any of your other brothers doing that as well? No, actually, one brother has three kids and then the other one, they've got two dogs. And I'm pretty sure they're going to be going to be set on the dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
So the foster care, I want to dig into this for a second because I know you made comment of it, but your wife was pregnant with your first daughter, only daughter, and then you bring this- Only daughter, yeah. Only daughter, yes. And you bring this girl into your home for the foster care system. And I know that that had some pretty big impact. So I know we're kind of jumping straight into the thick of it right now, but share with me why that had such a big impact on you having this little girl stay with you for some time. Mm. Yeah. I always wanted a daughter. I was convinced that my oldest was going to be a girl. And the moment we found out, I had like that slight moment of, oh, but then I'm having a boy. Like, it's going to be great. And so I always wanted a daughter. And we got this opportunity, got the call. And my wife was heavy into that first trimester. And she's like, if we do this, you're taking it all. You're going to be up feeding. You're going to do it all. And I was in. I wanted that little girl. And Ned, that changed that little girl broke down so many walls. I was a pretty, pretty emotional wreck up until that point. So you were emotional wreck before she shows up? Yeah. And what I would say I was emotionally challenged in that I could not identify what my emotions were. Huh. So in that, my wife would ask me, and, and this was years of our marriage, my wife would ask me, what do you think and how you feel? And I could not give her a straight answer on where I was at and what I was feeling. I just didn't have the knowledge that I have now on how to get to those feelings. That's through a couple different things that I've done. Yeah, so I know you've done some leadership development stuff, but it sounds like it's not just learning a process. It was some specific moments of, I don't know what that is, brokenness, connection. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that was. Feeding this little girl in the middle of the night and connecting with her and her not being your own, but her being there for a season can you put your finger on what it was that broke through the barrier for you? Because you already had a couple of kids, right? You had your sons. Yep. So yep. what was it about this time of your life and connecting with this girl that brought you through to more emotional intelligence? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I got the opportunity to do every night feeding, every diaper change through that whole, honestly, like first six months that we had her. And those times are so... And I guess I didn't understand because my wife's a phenomenal mom and breastfeeds like a mofo. And so I had very little to do with my boys because she did it all. But with this little girl and getting that intimacy of holding her close, feeding her, meeting those needs that she's not even aware of, she just knows and being able to meet her where she's at. And the connection point there broke down so many barriers of this manliness that was, I don't show emotion. I don't cry. I trudge through every everything that comes my way. I put my head down and work through it. And she just stripped that away. It was, I mean, honestly, it was God working through her in those moments. But getting to look down at her and meet the need that she was at right there in those moments was something I just never got that opportunity with my boys. So would you suggest if somebody's listening to this now and say they're soon to be a dad, they're about to have their kid, would you suggest not just passing on the feedings and the diaper change and stuff like that to mom would be a really important part of their becoming a father? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Take every opportunity. If your wife's tired, jump in. I mean, dive all in and you don't get that chance again. And you may get something similar, but that, that moment there where you're getting asked to step in is so big and you don't get it back. You get the memory of it, but you don't get it back. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Maybe we'll come back to that. I'm going to jump back to kind of the beginning here. So John's 36, live in Montana, four kids, one on the way. How many years you've been married now? 12 years. 12 years married. Okay, awesome. And then what is it that you do for a living to provide for the family? So I am a project manager. We're a developer builder. And so we build multifamily. I run the commercial and multifamily of that. We are in the process right now. By the end of the year, we will have finished 10 36 plexes across two different projects that are right across the street from each other. Got it. Okay. Okay, cool. When did you first embrace fatherhood? So would you lean into it's the moment you had with this foster girl? Or would you say that it was before that, that you're like, because you did mention that you and your wife talked about kids before you even got married. But at what point were you like, oh my goodness, this matters so much. I'm going all in on this. Honestly, Ned, it's been in the last two years. 
Really? That, yeah, absolutely. Part of that disconnect that I had early on was my emotional state and the lack of connectedness with my kids. I have always been a present father and Mm. in around, but the connecting and being able to meet them where they're at, I did not and could not do that very well until the last couple of years. What caused that? Is this going back to the original story or is there something else? This is amongst that. So with our foster daughter, I got an opportunity to jump into TLP shortly after that when she got reunited with dad. And that story is beautiful in and amongst itself, but she got reunited. That was really hard on us, hard on our kids, but we have a relationship with them now. It's great. So with that, I had a buddy reach out to me that had been doing TLP, which is Townsend Leadership Program for a couple of years. And he asked me to join this next year. He said, if you do it, I'll do it. Let's go jump in. And so Townsend Leadership Program, like I told you, is an intense year-long process. You go one day a month, eight to five, and you process out the hard stuff of life. And that has changed the way that I connect with my kids, the way that I communicate with my wife, the way that I process through the good and the bad. It's been huge. So talk to me because I want to bring something up that I think a lot of men struggle with. So it's one thing to learn systems and processes. So you're going through a year program. We're going to leadership training. We're reading leadership books. We're doing this stuff. It's one thing to have processes and systems of, okay, I'm talking myself through this argument with my wife or, okay, I'm coming home. I had a busy day at work so that I want to connect with my kids. So it's one thing to have a ritual. It's another thing to experience transformation. And I think transformation comes from discipline systems processes over time if you're doing it with intention. But to what level do you feel like your heart has been transformed to where you're experiencing emotion in a different way, not just mentally going through a checklist or process. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think for me, there was a lot of things, Ned, that I used to do that I thought were connecting, just asking questions and trying to communicate with my kids on kind of that surfacey level. But as soon as you understand that there's more to the story. There's more to that response and that reaction from your kid than what they're showing or what they're saying at the time. Gaining the skills that I have, being able to identify that one and then dive into it and go, I hear what you're saying, but let me get curious about this. What does this look like for you? And trying to spin what their reaction was, what they're saying in a way that allows them the opportunity to go, oh, light bulb. There is something else there. Yeah. So... I love the idea of connected versus presence. So being present, it's like, yeah, man, I'm present, I'm present, I'm present. Being connected is different. Do you feel connected to your daughter? Do you feel connected to your son? Do you feel connected to your spouse? Do you think that to be able to say yes to those things, that first you have to be connected to yourself? And if so, what does that mean? Oh, man, if dad's not healthy... No, nobody wins. So what does it mean for dad to be healthy? What does that look like? That's doing the things. You know, James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says and put action and put those processes together so that, you know, when I go home, it's the little things in prepping to go home. If I drive straight home and I'm on the phone the entire time, I get home and I'm still at work. And so that's, I'm there, I'm present, but I am not connected whatsoever. And so I think it's doing those little things. Man, I, dude, I just, am I connected? I think that's the question. Am I connected? Because I think you're right. I mean, a lot of times I'm still connected to work. I'm still connected to my hobby. I'm still connected to like, what are you thinking about right now? Mm-hmm. Like when you're at home checking at the dinner table, what are you thinking about? When you're at your kid's baseball game, what are you thinking about? When you're on that date with your wife, what are you thinking about? We get to choose what we think about. But I think because typically we're working from eight to five, we've created a habit of thinking about work. So we just let that take all the time on the ends of it as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. So like you said, don't be on the phone on my way home. So you're doing something else on the way home. What yep. is it that you're doing? Dude, it's quiet for me. Okay, quietness. Yeah, it's radio off. There's a back and forth communication with me and God going, this was the day. Let it rest. Yes. Let it be. Yes. My wife reminds me often that I'm only one person and there's only 24 hours in the day. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hmm. So John, I think as men are listening to this, to create awareness, are you connected? And then you said another word, you know, get curious. And I think, yeah, I'll be curious about what my kid's into, what my spouse is into, but still sometimes it could be like a checklist thing. Am I doing the right thing as a dad? I want us to move away from the shoulds, like am I doing the right thing to just being connected and being there? Because I think Mm -hmm. then we're just comparing ourselves to others or comparing ourselves to yesterday or tomorrow. But to truly be connected, I think is what we desire as human beings to belong, to be connected. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. We are, we are designed to be connected. And I think that's, you know, we talked a little bit about that man island and guys that don't have any outside resources to be able to ping things off of when, you know, your kid comes to you with something, you're like, I got nothing. I could Google it. That gets me nowhere. Just a layer and and so many different things. But if you have some solid guys that you could connect with that know who you are and there's no masks, you're not hiding anything, but being able to do that, ping off of those guys and then come back to your kid and give them an answer, even if it's after the moment has passed and come back and say, hey, you know, I heard you with this question and I didn't have an answer for you, but I'm here now. This is what I've got. This is what I found out. This is what I researched. I think that creates an opportunity for connection that takes it into the next and kind of gives you a leg to stand on with your kid into that next conversation that goes, hey, dad, dad's listening. He didn't just blow that off. Yeah, He came back and gave me an answer. Yeah, something you said that was really important there is you said, do you have other guys to connect with? And then you kept going, but you used the word connect again. And I think sometimes we're going to the sports games with our kids. We're going to our kids' friends' birthday parties. We might be going to church. We might be going these places where we are doing like very surface level stuff. And I do hear guys kick back on like, well, why should I pay to be a part of a group, whether it's TLP or Rise of Kings or Front Row Dads or Order of Man or Art of Manliness or Superhuman Fathers? I mean, dude, there's so much stuff out there. But let's just pick on TLP for a second. If you are going to pay some dollar amount to go, and then you're in a room with however many men there are from eight in the morning until five, you better believe that all those men who are showing up in those room are showing up. Not to say like going to your men's, you know, breakfast, you know, once a Mm -hmm. week isn't going to be the same, but sometimes that can just be a checklist. And then also you might not open up to the same level. I mean, hopefully you've created some men's groups where you can be vulnerable and open and honest, but if not, dude, find a group to go join. And it's not for the rest of your life. It is a part of your journey. But go get connected with other men on the same journey. We got to think like we were designed for many years. We we lived in a village. We had other men that we could very clearly see how we're living and operating and being taught by those above us. But many of us, we don't have those sages that we're looking to. We're just totally figuring out on our own. And that's not how life was supposed to be lived. Not at all. I had a couple hit and miss men's groups that would peter off and for the first nine years of marriage. And that's hard. It's hard to be in a relationship with somebody and do it well, and then add kids to the mix and do parenting well without having anybody pouring into you, giving you some attaboys or or anything like that. I would say it's detrimental to a man to not have that. Yeah. If you were to say, and then we can move on. If you were to say two, three things as far as like, this is why you as a man should go join, learn, grow in some sort of community, what would be those things? And I'll give you mine. And then you could think, I would say accountability. Most men don't have accountability. Mentorship. So if I see a dude who has a really successful business or has been married 30 years, so mentorship. And then I think one of the biggest things for me, maybe tell me if you resonate, is when you show up and you realize, oh, nobody has this whole thing figured out. You're okay. (laughs) You're okay. I think that's such a huge aspect because so much of the time we're looking at the neighbor with the business and the wife and the this and that. We're like, dude, that guy's got it all figured out. And in reality, he does not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's identification. If you have identification with a group of guys that understands and has been there, that you're all on the same page, just at maybe different levels of that, accountability is number one for me too. That is so essential to be able to move with integrity through your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your kids and business, 
and even with friendships. Friendships are hard too. Dynamics are hard. Yeah, friendships are hard. That third one would be just attunement is what I would say. Guys that are getting into the well with you Mm. when shit hits the fan. Yeah, yeah. And they're going like, we're not going anywhere. We're here with you. I think that is huge to know that you have guys on your six watching. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's like when you get that text when you wake up or that connection from a dude is just so critical. You realize you're not alone and that there's other dudes waking up to fight and serve their families as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because it can be lonely. That warrior dad, it can be lonely. Thinking about the role of the father in a couple sentences, what would you say the role of the father is? Oh, man. The role of the father is to be able to create the space for your kids to be who they are. Sometimes we grow up in households where our our voices aren't heard or they're not welcomed. Mm. And being able to create that atmosphere that you have a voice, you know who you are. Yes. God knows you by name and you are welcome here. I think is huge. Hmm. Interesting. So I, I literally just had a little bit of a battle with my son, right? So I have one son and four daughters. And I posed the question incorrectly about some tracking I want him to do for school. So he's homeschool. I have a dashboard for him and I gave him a simple way to do it and there wasn't too much execution on it. And so now it's like, okay, well now I'm coming in with uh, you can't leave the house until you text me if this has been done or not. And he's 14. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. And so I asked him the question, but I posed it in the wrong way. I posed it. What do you not want to do about this or something? where it was like I was giving him the option and I wasn't giving him the option. I wanted to have a conversation around it and let him feel how he felt. But I think some of the times we can just shut it down and say, well, it's this way. Don't ask, right? And at some instances, maybe your kid's complaining and it's like, you're 14, get over it. But then to be able to have them learn to express their feelings, even if they're, I don't want to say right, because it's not about right. If it's aligned with the task at hand, But if too much of the time we're not giving them the opportunity to do that, then they might find themselves as 34-year-old men not able to express their feelings, which is like kind of the roadblock we talked about. So I think that when I ask what's the role your voice is heard in this house, I think, wow, if I could say, yeah, my parents, they might not have done everything I asked because I'm asking from an eight-year-old or 10-year-old or 12-year-old perspective, but they heard me. So... Let me ask this, because I want to be careful here. I don't want us to coddle our kids, which isn't what you're saying, but I think it can sometimes come across as like, oh, Timmy, I'm so sorry you feel that way, which is not what you're saying. So maybe kind of open up or expand a little bit on what does it mean for your kid to have a voice in the home while you also are not a passive dad, not a tyrant dad? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, Absolutely. I think as you know, I'm just thinking of instances with my boys, that 10 year old is a perfect mix of my wife and him. And so there's a very emotional side to him. But he's in type A, he's ready to go. And he is always looking for something. So giving him opportunities to step into some sort of task. And then and then again, going back to that, get curious about it. All right, so you want to go you want to go do this. What does that look like to you? How do you create that and give him opportunities to expand on that, but also set some boundaries around it? And I think that coddling is if there's no boundaries and that kid's just running the show, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about being able for them to stand firm on what they believe, but also help guide them. And it might be misdirected, but guide them along that and go, all right, I hear you. I see what you're saying. But how does that align with truth? It is. It's a perfect mix of truth and grace there. Of You might be floundering in your reaction and their emotions, but being able to set some boundaries around it, limit kind of what they're doing and give them some guidance on it and sending them in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of like a perfect example. So one of the things I have my son doing is Apogee Strong has a program, a 12-month program for boys. And so I have my son two months into this program. And today he's like, I don't care about this program. I don't want to do it. I don't understand it. I hear you. I understand what you're saying. 
but I'm trying to help you understand, like, look at our life. The reason we live the way we live is because we do what nobody else wants to do for the most part. And so one of my jobs as your dad is to give you an education, not just click a box geography class that you're doing online, Mm -hmm. but also go, okay, so you got to look, do I trust my dad? So you have to come up with a different, why are you doing this class? Do I trust my dad? that he's going to put me in the direction of something that's going to help me. He's still not there yet, right? He's still not there. But I think this is the conversation of like hearing what he has to say. But then as the dad also leaning into like, there was a moment where sitting at the counter, I want to be like, bro, like I wanted to, I was getting irritated. So it's like, I can't lose my crap because then he's not going to express himself. But I also can't let his expression of himself make me be like, well, I just want my kid to be happy. So like, it's a very fine dance to lean in and guide your kid to the areas that you know are going to be successful for his life or her life. Yeah. And you're going to drop that ball yeah. more, t- yeah. more times than you, you hope to, because well, it is, it is such a dance. I think it's good. You say that you're going to drop the ball sometimes. Cause like today is a great moment of somewhat, it wasn't a win in the, he's like, dad, I get it now. I want to do this. That didn't happen. But I didn't also go, you little shit, listen to what I say or whatever. So we are going to drop the ball. And then what do you do when you do drop the ball? What do you do? Oh, man. Two and a half years ago, I wouldn't have done anything. Mm. But that connecting with your kid, you have to model. And Mm. in order for me to model well in failure, I have to get eye to eye with them and go, you know what? Dad dropped the ball there. Yeah. I pushed you guys when I knew that you were tired. And you had enough and I push you and we blew up. Everybody blew up. Yeah. Nobody wins. And so being able to get down and I do, I get on my knees with them and I'm eye to eye and I'm like, I messed up. Yeah. I messed up big there. And I want to apologize. I love you. And then I kind of walk through my heart and where I was at. Mm. And so my actions were showing one thing, but my heart was here. I just wanted you to win. I just wanted you to get mm. through this. But my actions were screaming, pushing kicking. Yeah. So when you say your heart, you mean your intention, like your intention, your intentions were pure, your actions or emotions led you to respond a certain way. But it's not a justification like when I'm and that's not what you're saying. And I want to make it clear to dudes is when you're eye to eye. It's not, hey, I did this because you really pissed me off or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Your mom's being a real whatever. You're not making an excuse. You're helping them see like, this is the becoming of the man. The becoming is my heart and my actions don't always align. That's like what I'm working towards. Yes. Right. And and we get irritated at ourselves. It's like, man, I wanted to show up like this, but I showed up like this. It's like, man, if I could look back and I didn't let that one thing trigger me and I just had a little bit more self-control, but that only comes from practice which is not like I can practice in front of the mirror. It has to be I practiced by having kids for 25 years and being married for 50 years. It's ongoing. Yeah, it doesn't stop, man. The lessons don't stop. If you're continuing to pursue any sort of change, then you're going to be failing. You're going to be learning and failing. You're just hoping that you're failing at a higher level, that you're not making the same mistakes over and over again that some new thing has hit with your kid or with your marriage or with work that challenges you harder. You still might fail, but you get through that and you go to the next one. And that one's a little bit harder. If you're continuing to fail at the same thing over and over again, that's when the accountability and that iron sharpens iron. Okay. Yes. Okay. So two tools, guys, two tools. If you find yourself continuing to fail at the same thing, Number one is have an accountability partner, somebody you feel bad about, you know, like, hey, dude, I just somebody you can call. The other thing that has helped me a lot is journaling either before bed or when I wake up and asking myself, how did I show up yesterday that I didn't want to show up that way? And then I write it down. Okay, what are you going to do next time? And by thinking through it myself, writing down what I want to do, then I'm slowly creating this conscious awareness that when this trigger happens, this is how you respond. And it could take months for you to do that because you've probably created years and years of this trigger. And I do this, right? You've created a response to it. So you have to find a way to reteach yourself how you respond in those situations. And you're a human, you're a man, you can do that. Any thoughts on that? Oh, that's so good. I'm just thinking about an instance that we had this last weekend with. So my six-year-old, was best friends. He loved our little foster daughter. Mm. And we have a video of him when we first got her. He's three years old holding her. 
And he is scowling at my wife saying, this is my baby. You don't touch my baby. So he had an instant bond with her when she left. It was traumatizing. And we didn't understand the significance of that until months later when his anger turned into a rage that I very much had to times I would just have to hold him. And he's throwing fits, screaming, and he can't control it. He doesn't have the cognitive brain development to be able to control that. So it's all reaction for him. Yeah. And this last weekend, we had an instance where he's very driven and task-oriented. So we're raking leaves and all the other kids are jumping in the pile and he's getting frustrated. And I can see that that's building and building and building for him. I got down on my knees with him. And I was like, hey, buddy, listen, I can see it. I can see you're frustrated. And he's throwing the rake down. And he's like, dad, I just, I I need them to stop. I need them to stop. I just need to finish this. And I'm like, I get it, bud. But they're also kids. They want to have fun and play. So why don't you just try, show them how to do a flip. And so I just switched Mm. his, where his mind was at and gave him something else to focus on. And it completely changed the rest of the afternoon. Like he was in there doing flips into it. And that has been two years, two and a half years of being able to recognize his triggers and where he was going and connecting, knowing his connection points. And honestly, it's his love language of meet him where he's at, give him the touch that he needs. And he's very much touch oriented and allow him to kind of refocus on something different. Dude, powerful, bro. But it's the work that you've done in you that has allowed you to be connected to him to be able to pause in that moment and not just get pissed off yourself. Exactly. I would have missed him 10 times over. Yeah. If I didn't have any sort of awareness of where I was at. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I love too how you understand, you know, what his love language is. One thing we just did as a family is the love language. Gary Chapman, his website has a uh, assessments. It's no cost. You can go on there. There's one for parents. There's one for kids. My wife had made the comment a few months ago. I feel like the kids just don't even know my love language in some. It wasn't like from a victim stance. It was like they're not understanding the reason why having the dishes in the sink clean is a value to me as a mom. They're not understanding. So we did the assessments and then he had like 15 bucks. You could go through his videos and it was kind of more around marriage, but it was still gave us conversation. But what was cool is we wrote down for everybody, what is your love language and understanding the love language of everybody in the family. And it's been pretty incredible because now at our family meetings, we'll ask, Hey, how has your love language been met? Or how have you met somebody else's love language in the family? And you know, as you know, when you got a big crew, it's pretty nice. You can have some pretty good conversations when there's several people to be a part of that. Absolutely. So I get the opportunity right now, and this is something that we started at the beginning of the school year, getting into the school season. Starting after dinner, I put every single kid to bed. Oh, nice. And I get individual time with them. It's always different, but I get to connect with each one at the end of the day because they desire it. Mm. They want that so bad. And I got to have a conversation with Isaiah, my middle son, the other day, who is eight. It was so fulfilling. And it was 25 minutes of, of us just back and forth talking, talking about what he wants to be and then any conversations he's had with God lately. Mm. Now, are you laying in bed with him? Or are you in your... Yeah. You're, okay, you're laying yep. in bed. Yep. You're like, this is wind down. Yep. Just wind down and hang time. The next morning, and I get emotional about it because he's like, Dad, that's the longest anybody's wanted to talk to me. Whoa. I, it ran through my head of all the times that I missed my kids when they wanted to connect and they wanted that. And for an eight-year-old to have the courage to say that yeah. is a big deal. Yeah. Then I wrapped him up and I was like, but I love you. And I appreciate talking with you. I appreciated our conversation because that is it, man. That's what we want to do. What did he say? Go back. What did he say to you? Tell me again. So the next morning, he told me that's the longest anybody's wanted to talk to me. Hmm. Eight years old. Yeah. And that kid is all about quality time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you know his love language. Yeah. Okay. So I just want, you know, not everybody can see you if you're not watching this on YouTube, you're probably listening, but John's smile, his connectedness just to this story, it 
deeply fulfilling and meaning to you. Obviously, we can hear it in your voice. And I think about how many of us have this routine of we ate dinner. It's like, how quickly can I get these kids in bed so I can have time for me? Which is Mm -hmm. fine, which is fine. I get it. I get it. But what if it was one or two or three or four nights a week? These are the nights that dad puts me to bed. These are the nights that dad reads me a story. These are the nights that dad tells me a story. I love telling my 10 year old's the only one who wants to hear it now, but I'll lay in her bed and tell her a story before she falls asleep. If you can get out of your mind, like how quickly can I get to me time? Because what tends to happen is I rushed through putting these kids in bed and I was kind of a dick, and now it's 8.15 or 8.30, and now I'm sitting in bed, and I've started my show, and I'm 60 seconds into my show going, what an idiot. I just missed this. And then I'm feeling crappy, Mm -hmm. and then I can't even enjoy the me time. So what if we were to tell ourselves a different story of the importance of getting these kids in bed, which clearly at this season of life you're able to do or doing? The fulfillment as a dude, what do you want more than to be connected with your kid? And the funny thing is, is as you're telling me the story, and then I'll shut up, kids don't want to go to bed. So if I try to talk to my kid at three o'clock in the afternoon, they're probably not going to give me the time of day. (laughs) But if it's bedtime and they're just trying to keep me in there to stay up and talk to what a great time to have their full attention because they're not distracted by something else they think they can do because they know they can't do anything. Yes. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Like I said earlier, we will fail. And it's recognizing that and understanding that, you know what, I've got to do it right because they're only going to be eight for a year. And then you're going to have a kid graduating. It doesn't last. Bro, I'm at the point now where I'm trying my hardest to get in bed at 930 or 10. My kids are up till 1030 or 11. And the ship has sailed for me other than my 10 year old. So don't miss the opportunity to do that. All right, bro, this podcast is fatherhood field notes, you're doing it opening up your life sharing gold nuggets for us to just like vibe with you on the mantras rebel and create this idea of I'm rebelling against something because I'm a warrior as a man. But I don't just tear things down. I build things up. I create so rebel and create what's something you're rebelling against. And we hear some things already. But out of the rebellion, what do you hope to create out of that? I think the biggest thing is rebelling against that an emotional man is a weak man. Yeah. I think the more you're attuned to yourself and you understand your needs and what you can get from other people and be able to fill your cup so that you can be the best father that you can be every single day, the best husband, you're going to screw up. Things are going to happen, but step into it well and know that it's okay to feel those feelings and feel those emotions. So let's talk about this for a second, because I I agree with you. I agree with you. But then I also know that depending on what we're talking about, I'm not letting my emotions dictate how I show up today. When the alarm went off at 430, it's like, I don't feel like getting up. Or when it's time to go to the gym, I don't really feel like doing this. So what does it mean to be in tune with your emotions? And then maybe give me an example or two of what emotions you're talking about. For me, it's that identification containment, being able to vent, Mm. know that I have guys to vent to, that I don't have to go splurge about my day to my wife, Got it. who has no idea, can't relate at all with what I deal with on the day-to-day at a construction site. Right. I think it's being able to identify with guys, get that containment, that validation that like that was hard, that stuff you're going through sucks. And that's hard. And then that attunement. But, and I completely agree, you can't let that dictate your actions. You've got to be able to set those boundaries and go, all right, these are my needs. This is where I'm at. It's time to take action. And I think that mantra of it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war is so true to that. Mm. Be dangerous. Where's that quote from? Where's that from? God, that's a great question. I'm going to find it. it. Yeah. A warrior in a garden. Than a gardener in a war. And I think a warrior in that you're disciplined, you're deadly, but you're also even kill. You're able to hold the good and the bad and still move forward. Yes, bro. I just spoke at a conference on Friday on marriage and I had this whole analogy about being the wise gardener for your wife, her being this ever expanding beauty. If you treat her that way and you, you, it's like the gardener isn't wise because he went to a conference. The gardener's wise because he spent decades in the garden being curious, right? Um, so dig that. Okay. So check this because as you're talking about this emotional awareness, I think sometimes guys might think we're just saying I'm feeling bad today. So I'm going to call in sick. (laughs) 
Here's an example for me. Last night, my wife sighed on the phone. She's gone with some of my girls. They're touring colleges. She sighed on the phone. And instead of me being in tune with my emotions and seeing like, oh, a red flag went up and I want to be triggered to be like, well, cross my arms. Well, like, screw you then, which is kind of how I showed up versus going, hang on. That's not about me. That's just like, that just happened. Let's not use that as more fuel to make this conversation more lame and awkward. So that would be a moment where I think if I was in tune with my emotions, I wouldn't let them dictate how I show up. I'd pause and see that come across like my yoga studio in my head or dojo, whatever you want to call it, and decide what I'm going to do with it instead of letting it decide what it's going to do to me. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. This is the way that I I look at it is emotional attunement or emotional awareness is your ability to respond to something or react to something. Yeah, 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 if, yeah. If, if you're reacting, that is, that is you catching a ball that's hit at you. Right. If you're responding to something, you're on the run for that pot fly and you're going to it. You're going to go get it. And so having the time and the, the understanding that's that you have to get somewhere to catch that ball. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And I think that's where we want to be. We want to be that steady, sage man. But it doesn't yeah. happen by just by not being connected. It doesn't happen by just being there every day. You got to do the work. You've mentioned a couple of times, two and a half years ago, I would have responded like this. And you look two and a half years forward, you're on a podcast talking about this stuff with me just randomly. So many of us want that like 75 day hard, or we want that two week, you know, I lost a pound or whatever. It's like, no, two and a half years ago, I started down this path. And it's still like a shit ton of work. And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's <laughs> failing, at a, failing at a higher level, man. It's oh, still going to be a show. It's yeah. my show now. Yeah. And, and I get to be a part of it and run oh, it. Dude, I love just like yeah. your smile at the end of that. It's like, yeah, bro, I'm just going to eat this shit sandwich forever. And I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. Because when I'm 85 years old, I know what is going to be important to me. And so I'm doing the things now. Yeah, to be able to look that man in the mirror and be like, bro, you gave it your all. Like you went all out. That's Dude, it. That's it. That, that's bro. what it is, man. Okay. I want to ask a question because we just have a few minutes left here. We've talked about this to some level. You've talked about creating space, talking about having your kid have a voice, which is great. But another thing you mentioned, which may be in the same vein, is create the space for your child to feel secure. So many of us feel like we're living in this crazy, unstable life. And as a father, you get to create stability in the chaos. So when you talk about your kids feeling secure, what does that look like practically? That is, that is engaging in every aspect that you can. You mentioned at the beginning there, we kind of met on Instagram. We do a father-son vacuum every year. And we've done this last summer was year four started with my dad, me and my oldest. And this last year, we had six dads and nine boys. And it's an absolute show. But taking every opportunity to reach into their life, mm. and know that they are loved, they are welcome, they're heard, whether it's a basketball team, whether it's a hunting trip, a fishing trip, I think the engagement, and that's the connectedness part for me, is taking them on adventures, getting them out of the day-to-day -day things and going and experiencing life. Yeah. Experiencing life, being connected, engaging, they're heard, they're seen, they're known. And I really want to point this out. Guys, as you're listening, any one of you could figure out a backpacking trip. Just like as an example, I was scrolling through Instagram. I saw John with a grip of kids and a few dads going on this backpacking. And I'm like, dude, let's talk about fatherhood. Because I think sometimes we're drawn towards the guys who wrote a book or have a program or blah, 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 which we've talked about. And that's cool and important. But also, you can plan a backpacking trip. Also, you could take your kids camping. It doesn't have to go be a part of some big thing or wait for your church to put this on or whatever. You can go do this. And I think it's really important, John said this, is just create the space. It doesn't have to be some perfect plan. No good story comes from a perfect plan. A good story comes from a weekend that was set aside and all our food was stolen by a bear because we didn't know what the hell we're doing or whatever. That's the stuff. <laughs> Any tips for a dad who's listening to going like, I can't do that or I don't know how to start? 
oh man, you can reach out to me. You can reach out to Ned. There are guys that you can engage with any, any aspect. And that's what I would say is find someone. You can think of one person right now as you're listening to this that goes, that's the guy that I, he does this. I want to do that and engage, take action. That's really what it is. Take action. Yeah, take action and then be okay that it's not going to work out the way that you're thinking. It's oh, it's work a out. show. Ned, that first <laughs> backpacking trip, every backpacking trip, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. all the emotions. There's crying. It's hilarious. Yeah. When you step back, it's a show. Yeah. yeah. But it is so worth it. Ah, uh, I love that. I love that. Oh, bro. Before I ask my final question, is there anything we didn't touch on that you would be like, man, we didn't talk about this story or that, that I would definitely want to share with dads? Oh, those backpacking trips, that is quintessential, like go do hard things together with guys that you are accountability guys that have integrity and jump in and do stuff with them and their kids. You will see in two nights, you will see those kids change in the confidence. It's incredible, man. It is It is so fun, but it's an absolute show. Like I said, all the emotions. And so disengage from technology and engage in the outdoors. That's what I would say. That's it. All right. So that's beautiful. And then my final question is beautiful. And I'm going to tuck this new question in the middle and see what happens. So many of us dads are walking around with a lot of weight on our shoulders. It's just a lot, man. So I know that we're not, you know, do not worry kind of thing. But when you're carrying a lot on your shoulders, there's concerns. Let's use concerns. So as a dad, I'm going to replace the word worried with concerned. What's something that you're concerned about as a father right now that you're willing to openly share? In the position of father now with four kids and one on the way and work and bills and marriage and all the stuff. When you pause, what's the thing that's concerning to you? And here's the reason why I ask the questions. Brand new thought to the question is I want dudes to start to be able to say, God, this is what I'm concerned about. Or I want them to hear what you're Mm -hmm. concerned about and be like, I totally resonate with that. Yeah. I mean, from the moment you asked me to join this podcast, the doubt Mm. that I had as a father, Yep. the am I adequate? Mm. I've seen it. I mean, I've listened to the podcast that you've had some high caliber guys on here. Every one of the guys that's been on here. And I'm like, why, why me? Am I enough? Am I doing enough? And I think that comes down to if you're connecting with your kids on whatever level that looks like, then you're there. Yeah. yeah. But that harsh judge has been my concern and always will be. We're human. And you say that harsh judge, who's the harsh judge? That's that internal harsh judge talking in your mind going, yeah, you're not enough. Yeah. 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 And that's, dude, that's years of it. Dude, we, I, we all struggle yeah, with it. Yeah, I struggle with that too. I'm like, dude, yeah. am I really a good dad? There's days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this podcast. I'm sharing all this stuff. Who are you to do this? Are you a good dad? And good is relative. What does it mean to be good? I think that's probably the wrong gauge. More like you're saying, am I, am I overall connected? to my kids, to myself? Am I moving towards excellence, connectedness? The answer to that is yes. And it's cool that I asked you the question last, because if anybody were hearing this, they're going to be shocked to hear you say that because Mm -hmm. they're like, dude, this guy's crushing it as a dad. And it's so funny. I just asked this dude to be on my podcast and he messaged me back. He's like, it's so funny. You'd ask, I feel like a pretty crappy dad right now to my 16 year old. And it's like, yeah, bro, you got a 16 year old you're going to feel crappy sometimes. This kid's going to push your buttons. So dude, I love the answer. Thanks for your openness and openness and honesty around that. So my last question is a legacy question. Imagine 30 years from now, 30 years from now, your eight-year-old's now 38 and to kind of put each of your kids where they are in life. They're similar to where you're at, right? You're 36. When you peer into their homes, what is it that you want to see that will put that same smile on your face we saw a moment ago and you go, I showed up. What is it you see Hmm. playing out in their homes? Man, I see a relationship with them. If I have a relationship with my adult kids, mm, yes, that that is me doing it right. Why is that important? I never had someone say that before. Why is that important? This is heavy because <laughs> this is recent. I've had a strained relationship with my parents. There's a whole lot of dynamics there, but I just went on a hunting trip with my dad because I needed to get things figured out. And the conversations that we had and the connecting thing, 
that we had was something that I longed for, for years. Like my parents weren't divorced or anything like that. I grew up in a home with a loving family, loving parents that sacrificed so much, but the connectedness I did not have. And I long for it. And I'm 36 years old and there is hope for some resolve. That's what I hope for. And that's what I long for as far as a legacy with my kids. John, I got to say, this is probably the most remarkable answer I've ever gotten because the reason you said it wasn't because of you. It wasn't like this. My kids are my life. I just, I don't know what I would do without them, which is probably what my answer would be like right now. Like I'm devastated. My daughter's leaving. You have a deep awareness and understanding that no matter how old a kid is, the acceptance and connectedness to their parents matters to their soul. Mm -hmm. And you understand that your role in your kids' lives is not just till they're 18. It could matter even more at age 36 and 40. I need that stability of my parents in my life. And if we understood that now, the relationships we cultivated with our children for the long term, we probably put some intention around that. Absolutely. Brah, I love it. Oh my gosh, I love it. That's so good. That's so good. John, thank you for the man you are. Thank you for the husband you are, the father you are, the friend you are, the leader, the intentionality, the way that you're showing up, man. Just punch that judge that's inside of you in his face and say, I'm an incredible father continuing to become the best father I can be. And dude, just keep showing up. Keep doing your thing. Thank you for sharing your life with us today. Thank you, Ned. I appreciate the opportunity, brother. Love it, dude. All right, bro. Until next time. What an incredible conversation. I so enjoyed connecting with John. Just such a real, joyful, authentic guy. I love the concept of just take action. Get outside with your kids. Ditch the phones. You have what it takes as a dad to do that. So plan it. Put it on the calendar. Hit up some other dads. Make it happen. Dads, we must know who we are. The world would look and feel different if men showed up in their identity to love, serve, guide, provide, and protect. And this is why I launched Adventure of Fatherhood. Make sure to check it out, adventureoffatherhood.com. Recently launched three online courses, two intro courses, one for brand new dads and one for the dad with a five to 15-year-old who's just trying to figure it out. And then once you go through one of those, I've got the 18-year roadmap, 90 days, roll with me and about 15 other dudes to dig into creating a plan of how you're going to show up the next 18 years. Powerful, powerful stuff. Go to adventureoffatherhood.com. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, What You Do Matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time.